Studio Warlock presents Tales of Teladar, Legion of Stars, Chapter 2, Snakes, Vampires, and Tax Collectors. Wind pummeled Loon's face as he rode. It felt good, liberating even. The wind cut his hair and whipped it around his face. Normally this would be uncomfortable, but nothing could drop him from his current high. Based on what the townmaster of Duvault claimed, there would be a village a few days' travel in the direction Loon was headed. Based on Stardust's current speed, however, Loon figured they would make it there just after nightfall. And his calculations weren't that far off. About an hour after sunset, they spotted the small town. Slowing as they approached, Loon saw that it was just a small village. It probably only had one tavern and inn, with the rest being farmers or other artisans trying to make it through the winter. Slowing down from his gallop, Loon trotted into the small town. It had to be sometime around 8 at night, so the town was still alive, but winding down for the day. Loon walked over to the local tavern and walked inside, trusting Stardust to stay outside. The place was not nearly as crowded as anywhere that Loon had been in the last four months. He quickly had to remember that he was in the open country, where most people weren't. Loon walked to the bar. As he passed through the tables, people started whispering, and the conversations along his path died down to mere whispers. As he passed, Loon heard more audible sentences. Elf. He's armed with silver. Hunter, perhaps. These and more like them were heard around where he passed. Loon disregarded most of these and slid onto a stool. The tavern keep came over eventually. What can I do for you? Loon looked at the small menu. Uh, spiced ale and I'll take a... Bore and potato stew. Loon put money on the counter and the menu dissolved. The bartender plunked down a small bottle before walking into the kitchen. Loon pulled out his pocket knife and popped the cork out. He sat and swilled the brown-orange liquid, waiting for the stew. The room behind him remained quiet for the time that he was at the bar. Loon didn't bother with it, though, and went about drinking. If they had an issue with his elvish heritage, that was their problem. The war ended 700 years ago by elvish historians' accounts, and the oldest among the elves were already over the wars, even though they lost. Why couldn't the modern humans, who only lived for around 85 years, get over it? While still resting on this thought, the stew was dropped in front of Loon. He looked down at the stew and saw it was bubbling. A particularly large bubble rose and popped out, letting out a greenish steam. Enjoy. The bartender growled. Loon pondered his options. Leaving would be strange. He ordered the food in the first place, so claiming a lack of hunger would be an obvious lie. Simply not eating would be impolite. Loon took the last option. Loon whispered a gentle prayer and started eating the stew. The stuff was rancid, but Loon didn't feel harmed by the time the food reached his stomach. Loon noted that while he prayed, he heard something like hissing coming from a corner. He continued eating, trying to find the source of the hissing. He thought it came from a far dark corner. Loon ordered a room and went up for the night after dinner. The room was dingy and unpleasant. Loon slid the garbage off of the desk in the corner, and he sat down the supplies Esmeralda gave him and started constructing a strange brew of sorts. Based on the Dwarven Alchemy book, he constructed what was supposed to be a potion of scrying. Now to get the unknown being to drink the stuff. He decided to go room searching. 
Walking around the night, every traveler holding out for the winter in this small village was asleep. Louis made no noise as he passed. He crept through the halls until he heard whispered chants coming from behind one of the doors. He peeked through the door and saw the room was filled with darkness. It flowed out of the room like a shapeless creature, trying to fight the light in the hall. The light seemed to be winning, but the unnatural darkness had crept out of the doorway farther than reality would usually allow. Loon put a little bead with the mark of explosion in the small scrying vial and lightly rolled it into the room. The vial let out a muted pop as the fluid aerosolized and filled the room. All that needed to happen now was for whoever was in there to breathe the fumes. Loon could scry them once within the next day. After doing all this with what Loon believed to be the height of stealth, he headed back to his room and meditated for the rest of the night. In the near morning, Loon used the scry. Through the spell, he saw a short glimpse of where his target was. It was a brief look at an alley in a rough part of the village. Loon memorized the alley and rose to his feet. He armed himself with his silver blade and commenced the hunt. Yunden was a follower to the one known as the Great Serpent. So beautiful it was, so powerful. He would soon show everyone its might, its glory. But those damnable hunters getting in the way of his plans. Yunden just wanted to help everyone, to show them what they were missing. The great serpent would show all. He would eat the chains made of light and bury the good brought on by the so-called gods. He had already marked most of the locations in this village. To make the minor summoning circle, the village would be a great opening for the great serpent to enter and observe. It had given Yunden power for this reason. He would show the serpent that he was worthy. Then Yunden would be given more power. Yunden pulled out the beautiful ceremonial knife he was given for this task and started marking the wondrous symbol into the ground. He gazed at it in awe and then started saying the incantation. He spoke in the great and beautiful language of the serpent. <laughs> At this, a response was expected. A time where Yunden would be graced with the voice of his lord. Once again, he was blessed with it, but something was wrong. Foolish being, why do you disobey? Your insect mind is weak. You place my sign in a worthless place. I chose you for glory, you absolute disgrace. Yundan started to shake where he was rested on his knees. Floating lights started dancing around him as he heard more insults and a voice booming about him. He cowered and quaked, lowering his head to the ground. Then the true voice of his lord came to him. The ambassadors correct my servants. You are an idiot and a fool. You truly believe that was me. Have you not memorized my voice, child? 
At this, Yonden's eyes shot open, and he turned to see a tall, pale figure with glowing blue eyes looking down at him. As Yondin turned, half-plate armor started lacing itself around the man. The man looked down at Yonden. Pathetic. A silver blade shot down at Yonden as he barely dodged it. Rolling over and getting on his feet, Yonden held out the knife. The man tilted his head, eyes still glowing. Really? Damnable hunters always getting in the way. No matter. He dealt with the last one. He could deal with this one. Yundun gripped the knife in both hands, and the blade grew and grew until it was a great black sword. He swung it at the hunter. Unfortunately, this one appeared to not be a drunk as he dodged the blow easily. The hunter swung with his own silver sword and tore through the divine robes, revealing sacred markings beneath. The hunter then laid out another attack which flew into the wall next to Yunden, missing him by less than an inch. Yunden cleaved the air again, an arcing attack that bit into the hunter's stomach and then the wall. Yunden summoned a black tendril from the ground, which was caught and ripped up by the hunter. The hunter growled and muttered words in a terrible language. As he did so, the wound healed, and he readied another attack. The hunter ran his hand along the sword, and it ignited in silvery-white flames. The sword whipped through the air at Yundin's gut, where it hit the blade burned, deep and sickening. The blade flashed three more times, flying through the air like a firefly. The last attack came unbelievably quickly, a darting silver flash going straight into Yundin's chest. The elvish hunter leaned close. Rot forever in the great prison. In another silver blur, Yunden died. Loon slinked around town until he found something that looked like the dark alleyway. Sinking low, he slid into the darkness to see a man dressed in cultist robes, hunched over the cobblestones. He wailed out in deep speech, and Loon got an idea. Humans, and most mortals, were incredibly bad at speaking the gurgling and backward sounds of elder things. However... Loon was raised by a man who hunted the things, giving him the ability to mimic them in the ears of humans rather well. He started speaking and mocking the cultist in the foul language. While speaking, Loon started using spells. Dancing lights formed around the man, and he started making his eyes glow. As words left Loon's mouth, they boomed through the small corridor. Loon raised his silver sword, ready for an execution. Just then, the cultist turned. Loon still tried to intimidate the man. Pathetic. And he let the sword fly. The man dodged it narrowly and staggered to his feet. He clutched a small black knife in his hands. Really? The man smiled, and the knife grew. It extended like a snake's tongue to a colossal greatsword, a three-handed weapon usually used by the foul drow ladies who had obtained two extra arms through black magic. The little human wielded it with only two hands and swung it like an oversized bat. It missed by a long shot. Loon didn't even have to move to evade the attack. Loon let out two swift attacks. One nicked the human, slicing through the robes and exposing tattoos of serpents marked with foul writing. He swung the immense sword again, and it connected barely. Then it embedded itself into the wall. The cultist did some fiddly motions with his hands, and a black tentacle came out of the ground trying to wrap around Loon's leg. 
Boone grabbed it and yanked upwards while hacking at it with its sword. The tendril dissolved to ashes in his hand and the summoning portal closed. Loon muttered a prayer in Celestial and healed his gut wound. Then he stepped forward, casting fire onto his blade. He tried something new. Rather than using his own knowledge, he used a charge from his pact. The sword was encased with silvery flames as he slashed at the human snake. Striking this way and that, Loon finished it by impaling the cultist. Rot forever in the great prison. He let the maniac slide off of his sword and onto the cobbles below. The body dissolved like the tentacle. Loon walked back out of the alley into the town square. Upon entering the square, he noticed that the whole town seemed brighter. It was strange. Loon could swear that he saw spires of shade growing out of other alleyways. He went to investigate. Inside one of the alleyways, there was a small mark. Loon scuffed it out, and the pillar of darkness faded into the air. Loon spent the rest of the day tracking down the rest of the alleys with the sigils and stamping them out. After a full day of scratching symbols, Loon headed back to the tavern. Everything here was different, too. Everyone was nicer, smiling and talking with each other, and no one was giving him any attention. The bartender even smiled when he came to serve Loon. What'll it be, sir? Loon was a bit taken aback. Rabbit stew, please. Coming right up. The tender walked to the back room after taking Loon's silver. The bartender came back and started washing out some glasses. By the way, sir, you look like a traveler. Have you got a place to stay here? Rent for the night is two silver. Loon recalled the night prior that the tender charged one gold and reluctantly let him stay in the attic. That little cultist must have been doing something to the entire town. Sir? Oh. Uh, sorry, yes, that would be great. Loon slid two more silver over the counter. And I found this in the street. Do you know whose it might be? Sweet goodness, that's mine, the tavern keep said. You just found this in the street? This goes to the old attic. No one has been up there in a while. Roof's probably broken at this point. What in the nine hells was happening? Anyways... The tender turned to the interior window behind him. Stew's ready. Here you are. Enjoy. Loon tracked the man in shock as he walked away to have a conversation with what looked to be irregular. Loon went about eating his stew after a while. This batch actually tasted good. Perhaps it tasted good because of last night, but Loon liked to think that it was just high quality. Eventually, the tavern keep came back and started making conversation. So, Traveler, what brings you to Bronston? Loon swallowed. Just passing through, trying to get to the capital. Ah, you're on your way to Hereford. I see. You are coming up from the south, though. I mean, no offense, but you're an elf. Wouldn't you just walk along the road until you reach the capital? Our town seems like a, an out-of-the-way place to visit. I'm kind of roaming around the entire country. I used to be traveling with a guy who got us kicked out of just about every town we visited together. So, understandably, I have to take a roundabout passage through your country. I will say, though, I've seen more than I thought I would. Like what? Loon leaned in conspiratorially. Well, don't tell anyone, but... I was working with a paladin for a while in this country. The one time he left our small party for a short while and we got tied up in some contract with the Southern Pact. Loon paused to spit. Anyway, 
The contract was to transport some diplomats safely. We ran across some bandits and wiped out most of them, but they had a wizard. This idiot summons a demon from the abyss. The demon starts a wildfire. And we start running, because, you know, we're just the three random travelers with some diplomats. And this time we can't handle demons. At the time, our demon exterminator paladin is off doing something else. So we run. Logical, right? As we run, we're still working the horses. Because we used to have a carriage, but, you know, fire. Anyways, one of the horses dies, so now we're screwed. It was now that we happened to be right on the crossroads to Fairfall. So, one of the warrior-type diplomats comes with me, and our wizard friend, this one is good, throws some sort of spell on us that acts like a spice with no drawbacks. So we just start running. And let me tell you, the myths and stories about Fairfall are true. That town is loaded with whack jobs. Blood magicians, cultists, the lot. But now me and this young guy are sneaking up to their stables, because we need at least one horse, and we're still trying to run a raging fire. We mount the horses, silently. Unlock them, silently, and start heading out, quiet as a mouse. Then one of the horses chafes and whinnies. A black spike flies by my head. I spur the hearse on, and so does the kid. We start going, full gallop out of there. We meet up with the rest of the party just as the flames reached us. Everyone mounted, and we started off to Cliff Keep. Barely outrun the demon. Get there. Due to some hoodoo, the paladin buddy is there. We secure the diplomats, kick the crap out of the demon, and that's it. The rest of the trip to Stormwind was rather uneventful. Loon took a drink at the lager that came with the room as the barkeep and two others at the bar who overheard him looked at him, mouths agape. After finishing the swig, Loon started off on another story. Something else happened a bit more recently, though. Going down southeast for a bounty for Stormwind. Hate their government, but at least they pay good. I... Assume you guys aren't a part of the pact, right? The three men turned to their side, closest the floor, and spit, almost in unison. Good. Anywho. Doing this bounty, hunting some grand beast or something, go and decide to hide in a hole to evade the cold. Pick away at it, turns out to be an owlbear cave. I notice this, going down first, as my luck lets me all the time. Signal to pull me up. Instead, they send someone else down. This fool casts the light spell. Here, this one. Loon lit one of his rings and then dimmed it. Thankfully, the owlbear didn't notice. Turns the light off. This guy pulls out a ladder. This hole is in the middle of the room, and he thinks that a ladder will get him up there. Mind you, this entrance is something like 30 feet above us, and this ladder is 15 feet tall. If it stands vertical. I try climbing and doing an elf thing, trying to jump to the Feywild, whatever, whatever. Doesn't work. Fall on the ground, on my back. Wake up the beast. This thing roars. Like, wow. Anyway. Start stabbing the hell out of this thing with my buddy down there. The guys up top don't seem to notice the terrible peril we're in. Per terrible peril, I said. Regardless, I'm stabbing this thing left and right, and all of a sudden, the guys up top notices that my buddy can't seem to hit the thing, and I can't stab it to death. So the wizard decides to embalm us and the beast in roiling flames. Somehow, neither the guy down there with me or I die due to this immense amount of flames. The bear falls down dead. We wrap up for the night. Note. This is not the main event. This is just how the night started. Loon took another swig as the onlookers, now a small crowd, gawked on. Anyways, night carries on. Everything is peaceful as we eat owlbear steaks. About to go to sleep when I see a damned vampire, yes, a vampire, come down that hall. I run over like white lightning, draw this sword, and swing at it. The bastard catches the sword. 
So I slam the hard end of my sheath into its face. This git tries to bite me, as vampires do. It misses, and I stab it in the chest. So this maniac notices that he isn't screwing with some random folk. He has a bonafide hunter on his hands. Tries running away. Skitters up the wall as those undead rats do and climbs out of the hole. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not going to let my first vampire get away from me so easily. I run up the wall after him, kick myself up out of the hole. This guy, now me up and out, tries charging me. I dart to the side. The idiot falls back down. Hits, hits the ground with a splat. But he's a tough bastard. And the 40-some-odd feet doesn't kill him. So he finds a sword falling on him through his hand and nearly into his face. Then he finds an elf falling on him, pounding that into his chest. Git bites my hand. I heal it, it's fine. I slam the sword onto his throat. This guy doesn't want to die for some reason. Starts thrashing, ruining my old armor. I pound down one more time, grab his hair, yank the head off. Finally, this man is dead. Kick his body into the exposed moonlight and pray for it to be taken care of. Beam of moonlight comes down, incinerates the remains. Throw the head into my buddy's bag and crash. Loon finished off the booze. The whole tavern was listening at this point. Do you still have it? Loon smiled and reached into the bag and said a silent prayer. Suddenly, more things were in his bag. He grabbed the thing that felt like hair and ripped it up. Out of the bag of holding came his trophy of the hunt. A vampire's head, cleanly severed from the corpse. Lips, crimson red, eyes rolled back, fangs peeking out of its mouth. Ladies fainted, men backed away. Loon smiled and stuffed his bounty away into the bag. He groped around more. That was the prize of the vampire, and this is the prize from the beast. Loon held out the beak of the owlbear, extended forward like a king's chalice. The men were drawn back in to examine the trophy. The beak had hollowed itself out in the time it spent resting in the bag. The bartender placed his hand on Loon's shoulder. Hey, you claim to be hunter. We have a small problem. People think that there might be a vampire living west of town, about five miles out. If you could take care of it, it we would appreciate it greatly. Loon leaned back and thought about it. If they thought that there was a vampire outside their town, then the vampire wasn't doing his job right. I'll look into it tomorrow. Loon spent the rest of the night getting drinks paid for by others, and eventually went up to a proper room. He sat in the bed and started thinking about the day. The little man he killed must have been doing something to these people. Maybe it was due to the fact that the hunters famously kill people like him. That would make sense. Loon pondered this for the rest of the night. In the morning, he got up and said his hellos to the people in the tavern before setting off on Stardust to the west. After about a half hour of traveling, he arrived at the small house, or hut, in the middle of a field. He dismounted and walked up to the door. One hand on his sword, he opened the door. Quietly, he closed the door. He took one step. Thwack! A knife darted into the wood next to Loon. He popped the quick release on his sword belt and readied. Somehow the thing had already gotten up to him. A knife was pointed at his throat, coming out of a dark shape in the shade. That was quick. Quiet. Why are you here? Funny. The voice was weak, but firm. Nothing like a vampire. I was told there was a vampire here. I presume I was misinformed. The knife lowered. So, that's what they think of me. Figured as much. That's why I moved down here in the first place. Now that this has been addressed, could you leave? Yeah, sure thing. I'll inform the townspeople that there's no harm in you being here. Loon turned to leave the room when it was filled with light. 
He turned and saw the man now bending over backwards with silver light jutting out of his eyes. His skin was a pale white and his hair was like that of sheep. The black rags he wore whipped around him as he spoke. Silver light came from his mouth. O oh, young knight's knight, take this tongue of silver light. Enlist him in your mortal fight and make use of his gift and godly sight. Then the young man fell to the floor. Loon investigated the small shack and the young man. It was plain the kid was not a vampire. Rather, he was an albino. He had white hair and pale lips, dressed in an immense black robe, and his skeletal frame was hidden. He also appeared to be wearing a blindfold before his eyes started jutting light. Loon started to investigate the rest of the shack. Pulling open a small drawer, Loon found a small bit of silver. Pulling at it, he found a small secret chamber in the small dresser. Inside was a wooden stake, ornamented with silver chains and a symbol of Selyun on the end of the chain. More interesting yet, the stake looked used. Dried blood coated the tip and stained the wood. Beside it was a shining but tarnished broadsword. Strange to see a technique weapon in Polska. Loon closed the drawer and sat on a rickety chair, waiting for the albino to wake up. Eventually, the young man, and he was a young man, no more than 18 years old, woke up and staggered to his feet. He looked off in a direction that Loon wasn't. The room was partially lit, and he seemed to look around until he made out where Loon was, kind of. He appeared to be looking off to Loon's left, only his eyes looked like they could be seeing everywhere. They were shaking at a rapid speed. Why are you still here? Loon stood and pulled out his celestial grimoire. Flipping to the last page with writing, Loon showed the transcribed message. The kid seemed to find it hard to read, much less find the book. Loon handed it over to the albino, who buried his face so deep in the book that his eyes had to be less than an inch away from the page. His eyes scanned it quickly. Then again. And again. Loon actually doubted after the fourth read that he was capturing much of the writing. The albino retorted without moving his head away. Shh! Loon backed away and stayed quiet. In short, and without the fluffy wording of deities and their servants, the note said as follows. Loon Uvoweis, before you lies Lumiere. He is a prophet of a rather holy bloodline cursed with albinism throughout their generations. This one has been fated to serve you, and you to serve him. Teach him well, and he will assist you in your quest in ways that you would never have thought possible. Good day. Eventually, Lumiere finished reading the passage. Who wrote this? My patron, Osolar, currently in service to Lady Selyun. Lumiere threw the book back at Taloon. It can't be right. He said, I've never been of any use to everyone. Just a burden. A weak, poor vision, sunburned burden. I moved out here so people would leave me alone. I kept getting shunned for being different, or for looking like a vampire. When father died, I just... I just hid. Never to communicate with other humans. Look, kid. Loon stood up. I would love to hear your story, but right now you've been called to action by Lady Sillian's general himself. 
will you accept this honor or would you rather wallow with the rest of your life here? Lumiere was a bit taken aback by Loon's directness. Let me think about it. Not much time to think. I'm on a relatively tight schedule to get to Hereford. Fine. I'll go with you. Good. You can go out and experience the world. Lumiere bent down and grabbed his blindfold. I don't think you understand what being sensitive to the sun means. Loon looked at the set of thick cloaks hanging on the wall. No, I... I think I get what you mean. Lumiere started getting ready to leave what appeared to be his home for many years. While he thought Loon wasn't looking, he opened the secret drawer and withdrew the stake and sword. He quickly wiped the tarnishing off and sheathed it under his flowing black cloak, while the chain on the stake was wrapped around his wrist and locked with a small silver lock. Eventually, they left the house and made their way back to Bronston. Entering the tavern again, Loon waved to the bartender. He waved back and seemed shocked at the appearance of Loon's new company. Loon and Lumiere approached the bar. Barkeep, this is Lumiere. He is not a vampire, just a hermit. Lumiere extended a gloved hand. A pleasure meeting you. He still appeared to have a vague understanding of where essentially everything was within fifteen feet of him. The tavern keep extended his own burly hand and shook Lumiere's. Based on his reaction, it appeared that Lumiere's grip was stronger than he imagined it would be. Give us the largest meal you have. The tender looked a little shock. Uh, sure, two gold. Loon placed two gold on the counter and waited for the food to be delivered. In the meantime, Loon investigated Lumiere. He couldn't be older than 18. He also couldn't be over a hundred pounds. The black robes were an oddity, though. If a man who could see well wore the robe, he wouldn't be able to see at all. The hood fell down so it covered the eyes and shadows. Loon could barely see the blindfold that Lumiere wore. The rest of the cloak covered almost everything about his form. The sword was perfectly hidden in the flowing folds. Along with this, he wore immense black traveling boots that looked like they would fit better if he weighed twenty-some-odd pounds more. Eventually, the food was placed in the bar and Loon handed the silver to Lumiere. Surprisingly, the kid had manners, and didn't just start carving into the steak, radishes, and potatoes. Rather, he sat calmly and ate like he was attending an elvish party. After the meal, Loon started for the upstairs room when a minor uproar started near the entrance of the small tavern. Looking back, Loon saw two men, wearing the symbol of the pact embroidered on the tunics they wore over their leather armor. They carried books and large bags with golden lace interwoven with the drawstring. These were tax collectors, and they were currently getting pushed around by the townspeople. One of the collectors got pushed a little hard and wound up stumbling into one of the thick wooden tables. He retorted by throwing himself up and drawing his sword. He was going for an attack with the flat of his blade when a needle-thin piece of metal pressed lightly into his throat, which he would have to move if he were to attack. He turned and saw Loon, standing there with the rapier David gave him, extended outwards. Don't even... The collector swallowed, moving a sizable Adam's apple up and down. His friend apparently thought he had a sharp tongue. Oi, lad. What in the house do you think you're doing, officer of law? Loon looked around like an actor in a play. I'm sorry. Either these people didn't put up their flags, or this town doesn't belong to the pact. The free tax collector started to draw his blade. Why, you... 
He too was met by a glinting piece of metal. I wouldn't. This time it was Lumiere. He had pulled out a knife from under his flowing robes. The speed of the movement caused the robes to shift like a flag. Both of the collectors started to growl. They looked at each other through the sides of their eyes. Fine, we'll leave. The young collectors turned to leave, and Loon and Lumiere started walking back to the stairs. Then one of the tax collectors turned sharply with a knife drawn. A woman shrieked, and Loon turned sharply. He swept his hand into the wrist of the young soldier and slammed it into the table, shattering the man's wrist and forcing him to drop the knife in one swift movement. The man barked out in pain and quickly raised his hand to his chest. The two young soldiers quickly fled the building, and Loon and Lumiere walked up to the room's floor. It was only early evening, but Lumiere went to the bed. They had planned to leave in the middle of the night for Lumiere's sake. He fell asleep, and Loon sat at the small desk for the time being. Soon night fell, and they both got up to leave. Lumiere was sitting on the saddle behind Loon. Where are we headed? A place called New Rettersfield, last stop before Ravenvon. Will we be staying there long? Rettersfield, no. Ravenvon. I know the town master there, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him. So, probably yes. Hup up! Loon dug his heels into Stardust's flanks, and they trotted off north as the moon rose. Tales of Teladar Legion of Stars is brought to you by Alex Peer. All the characters are voiced by Alex Peer, and the world is created by Luke Warner. If you'd like to support the show, we have a couple of ways of doing that. First off, you could go and leave us a good review on Spotify, because apparently they have reviews now, and you could also subscribe to the Nacho Warlock YouTube channel. If you'd like to subscribe to a system where you pay me directly, however, we have a Patreon. For the $5 tier, you can get all of the scripts to all of these episodes. And uh, I have a new way that I'm going to be doing that. Rather than releasing it the day before the episode comes out, I will release the chapter the moment I am finished recording for it. So you will get these very quickly if I start working very efficiently. But I make no promises. I apologize. But for now, we here at Studio Warlock would like to say safe travels and happy hunting. Studio Warlock hopes that you've enjoyed this program.